The concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James Inc., member FINRA SIPC. He's here to help you develop a better way of managing your money. This is Retire While You Work. Hello, hello. Welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. And you can hear us every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. on News Radio 1510 WLAC. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question via the contact button. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll do our best to answer your question on the show each week. Or you can give us a call at 615-435-3644. Thanks for tuning in. In studio today, we have... uh, Siobhan Farler, who is one of our wealth managers and the COO of our practice. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, David. Glad to be back on the radio with you today. Glad you are here. And Siobhan's going to be answering some of your, um, giving me, feeding me some of your questions, maybe answering. Oh, that'd be, yeah. I didn't prep you for that. That's okay. Uh, We can mix it up. Feeding me some of your questions that we received throughout the week in the Ask David segment. Um, And then also we have a special guest today. Grammy-nominated songwriter and artist Jamie Floyd join us in studio. Hey there. It's hey. good to be here. Glad to have you, Jamie. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of this today. Awesome. Well, Jamie has written songs for many artists, uh, pop and country, Kelly Pickler, Natalie Saval on The Drive, R&B superstar Brian McKnight. You may have heard her on the sh- her music on the show Nashville. I believe I also read that you've opened up for James Taylor and Rascal Flatts. Is yeah, I've I've been uh I've been really lucky to uh, get to be on the same stage as, as some of my idols. I love James Taylor my whole life, oh. so I've wow. just gotten to do some cool stuff. My dad, Music my is... dad would take you in the hall and have like an hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's I do it to James Taylor every trip oh. to Florida as a kid. Oh, on family I love vacation. James. Yeah, I was kind of sound checking with one of his songs earlier. <laughs> 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 the mic here. That's awesome. And uh, also, Jamie is uh, featured in the documentary The Last Songwriter which is about our modern times, technology and government, and really how it's affected how songwriters get paid. And this is something we've dealt with in our office a lot. We work yes. with a lot of songwriters, and um, this topic comes up a lot. And the, the last songwriter was featured at the Nashville Film Festival and won a coveted audience award, not only featuring Jamie, but also, I believe, it was Garth Brooks, Emmylou Harris, Jason Isbell. Yeah, um, some some pretty everybody I look up to. I, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> would have been me, oh, not what yet. A, what Somebody, a what an awesome experience! And congratulations for being a part of that. Oh, thank you very much. It was um, one of the best things I've ever been a part of. Most important things for sure. Amazing. Right. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to interview Jamie um, specifically in our last segment, so stay tuned for that. But also, we're going to talk with Jamie throughout the show about her story and her journey and how she chased her dream while also striving for financial balance. And as you know, if you've been a listener for a while, this is a core theme of this show, getting to that place in life where you're doing what you love for work, but also finding that mindset of balance and really working in your passion. And being here in Nashville, this is something we see in our office every week, just with music being probably the biggest niche in our practice, just absolutely a function of being here in Nashville. And, and a group of uh, people I love working with, I love the creative fabric that's really woven throughout our city. So it's great to have people like Jamie on the show and to get to spend time with her. And then don't forget our popular segment, our Know Your Dough trivia. We're going to have a little fun with Siobhan, Jamie, and Jimmy, our producer, and uh, do some random questions there. So we have a lot to cover in a short time. Let's get right to it. Jamie, did you say, oh, great? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh, great. What have I Ma- done? Yeah, this is a test. Math test. Right? <laughs> 
Uh, is, I'm a creative. I'm the English you're person. Gonna, no. yeah, it, it's yeah. fun. Creative, right? <laughs> music trivia. So yeah. <laughs> now, if you've been listening to this show regularly, then you know that our passion is really about how do we change the conversation on retirement and how it's viewed in our country. I think that the word retirement is antiquated, and it's really something that uh, most people don't relate to. You know, working yourself to death till you're 60 or 65. Um, like I had my father on the show a while back. We had a special guest, Tom Truitt, um, Music Research CEO, you know, talking about how, how he had a quadruple bypass yes. at 50. Totally changed his perspective and gave him the passion and the motivation he needed to chase his dream. And so, you know, going through that with my dad and sitting in, um, sitting in our conference room with clients that are just tired at 60 and 65 and then say, now what? Now I want to quit. Um, that's What's just next? A, that's a broken concept. I mean, you know, it's it's people get bored. They don't have a purpose. They don't um, they don't have a lot of hobbies. So finding a way that you can retire while you work and continue doing what you love, maybe take start that second career, chase your passion uh, versus just viewing life as working 70 hours a week, quitting and then doing nothing. So after 15 years of being a financial advisor, I've seen this a ton. And we've literally had clients in our office um, – you know, with $30 million just saying, gosh, if I only had $40 million, I know, crazy, <laughs> then I could be happy or then I could retire and then I'd feel comfortable. And we have, we've had a client, I can think of a sweet woman we have that has $200,000 and lives uh, South Tennessee, lives on a little bit of social security. And happy a, as can be. Takes a $1,000 <laughs> check from us a month and she is ha- happy as can be. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, the word retirement. It's all about perspective. And having this magic number, how much, you know, how much money is enough. It's all perspective. And um, it's something that I'm trying to get all of us, including myself and our clients, um, to really jump into that mindset. So any any transition in life can be scary. You can be filled with fear, whether it's starting a new job, creating your own business, retiring, whatever. And we've had entire shows just about fear. We even had a uh, psy- psychologist on the show talking about fear yes. and what blocks people from chasing their dream- dreams. So um, how do we how do we get that confidence to take risk, especially when we know it's scary when you have to generate an income, not just for yourself, but for your family. And uh, Siobhan, we were actually reading an article together, um, I think it was on Trip Savvy, yes. about overcoming your fear in regards, and specifically this article, which is why it's perfect for today, was in relation to becoming a Nashville country singer star. So, <laughs> so I know from experience working with writers and artists, there's a lot of fear around chasing your dreams in the entertainment industry. And since we have Jamie uh, here today, I don't think that an article could be any more relevant. Jamie, I bet you could tell us a lot about this, right? Yeah, just just a little bit. Just, just 20 little. years worth, that's 20 all. 20 years <laughs> worth. Well, great. We have probably 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> great. But, Plenty. you know, in the very, the, uh, the very first point in the article is do not make a move to Nashville to, to do this um, unless there's already a buzz around you in your hometown. Now, that makes sense. This applies to anything. You know, if you're wanting to become an interior designer, ideally – you're going to already have a style that's known around town or opening a restaurant. Hopefully, you're an amazing cook. But as this applies to uh, as this applies to being an artist, I want to talk with you, Jamie, when we come back from break. So we are going to take a short break. and we come back, we're going to continue talking uh, with uh, Jamie Floyd, who is a Grammy-nominated songwriter and artist, about chasing her dreams and how that applies to Retire While You Work. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio. 1510 WLAC. Back in a few.
Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Just before the break, we were speaking with uh, Grammy nominated songwriter and artist Jamie Floyd. Hello, Jamie. Hello again. <laughs> Glad you're here today. We were actually, um, Siobhan and I had been reading an article in Trip Savvy about chasing your dreams and uh, fighting the fear to chase your dreams. And specifically, this article was in reference to um, chasing your dream as a Nashville country singer and star. And the first thing it talked about was do not make a move to Nashville to do this unless you are already have a buzz in your hometown or a big deal in your hometown. Now, Jamie, this actually happened for you, right? You grew up in a musical family in West Palm Beach, started in the mu- around music at age two? I did. I did. My parents are musicians, and I started singing on stage with them when I was two. Um, in fact, the night I was born, they were playing a gig, went home, you know, unloaded the van, then you go to the hospital. That's wow. what we do in this family. That's, effic- that's efficiency. efficiency. <laughs> Got to get the job done. Finish the gig, <laughs> get the baby out. Have a baby, you know, yeah, yeah. be at work the next night. Um, but I, I was... Um, I was very used to being on stage and, and very acclimated to what the music business felt like from a very young age. And um, when I was 11, I ended up getting a record deal with Epic Records out of New York. At so, age 11? So I worked real hard from 2 to 11. Uh, you were ready. Did you retire while you really worked? You retire, <laughs> at, 11? at 11? That is the best example of what this show is about. Just put in the hard work. And, you know, and you, there, you wake up one day and you're 11 years old and you're just, you know. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it was a, I was very lucky and, and um, but I definitely... Definitely had um, had influences from my parents and was able yeah. to have a lot of experience from a very young age. And did I read that you graduated high school early as well? I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had my my mind and my heart set on on a goal and anything yeah. that was um, you know that I could expedite um, that was important to me, but that I could kind of get done and accomplish to move on to the next thing. That's what I did. So I took um, what would have been I put my 11th and 12th grades. I was homeschooling myself essentially uh, through the record deal, and so I got all the curriculum and I did everything myself, and I was able to consolidate it um, 11th and 12th grades into one year. And I graduated with a GD, and I took the SATs and ACTs and everything else, just like a, a normal you know kid. Just normal, yeah. It's too bad you weren't driven. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> just like a normal kid, I did yeah. all the things. I just ended up doing it myself and on my own time, and I happened to be able to do that in a smaller amount awesome. of time. Awesome. Well, the hard work has definitely paid off. And so this article in Trip Savvy went on to say, um, after being, you know, having a buzz around you in your hometown, that you need to be more than just a singer. Ideally, you need to sing, play an instrument, and become a songwriter um, just to be more versatile. And I think this is true in any industry. You know, if you want to open a restaurant, not only should you be um, a good cook and have good recipes, ideally you are a good business person and right. business savvy. That's mm-hmm. why about nine out of 10 restaurants, for example, end up failing. Um, Jamie, do you agree? You do all three of these things, right? Uh, I did. I, I will say I also believe that that a drive, that, that a work ethic is almost just as important as talent um, because oh, yeah. I know a lot of people here um, – just generally, there are people who are incredible freaks of nature, talent-wise, and there are people who, you know, whatever, are not a great singer, but they're an incredible songwriter, or people have different strengths. And what I find where, where I see success is almost what they all have in common is a drive. As a drive. Because mm-hmm. there's so much talent Cause in a lot, Right. Because I mean, a lot of people have the same talents in common or have different levels, but what I always see with, with at least people that I really respect is a drive. So, um, But yes, when I moved here, I hadn't quite become the songwriter that, that I am today. Um, I wasn't playing guitar either when I moved here, okay. but but um, I had I had done 150 dates a year in Florida. I had a ton of experience as a performer, as a oh, singer, yeah. um, and then the songwriting and the musicianship grew strength wise later. As but. you got okay, mm-hmm. great. Do you remember what your first song was? 
uh, that I ever wrote. Yeah. Um, it was called, I, I was super, it, it was an incredible thing to get to write with Greg Barnhill and Jim D'Addario as oh, yeah. a little girl. And we wrote a song called A Love Like That. Oh, <laughs> awesome. and, and it was like a shuffle and it, it was just, it was sweet. Um, but we ended up writing like five songs in one day, my very first well, time writing. Five songs in one yeah. day? Yep. And what about, um, just kept it what going. about song, Blade? I mean, wasn't Blade. that, um, there was a collab, there was, I know yeah. Ashley Monroe, Vince Gill, Miranda Lambert, they were all involved somehow. Yeah. So I wrote a song called The Blade actually while I was waiting tables full time um, and I was out of a publishing deal and I decided to pay myself my own salary by working in this restaurant and I wrote a song called The Blade with Mark Beeson and Alan Shamblin and it ended up being uh, the title track for Ashley Monroe's Grammy nominated album. Miranda Lambert and Ashley sang it as a duet and Vince Gill produced it and it pretty much turned me in to in turned me from a waitress to a Grammy nominated waitress, so it was pretty important in my a Grammy nominated waitress. I like <laughs> the way my, that sounds. My path, I know. Me too. I, I loved it. it was that was really my next special. question: was how did you, um, you know, support yourself financially and just emotionally before you made it? And it sounds like you were that yeah. kind of quintessential. You know, I, I'll wait tables until I make it. Is that yeah? I wasn't afraid to um, get in there and do whatever had to be done and, and to put the time into that. So I would write full time. I paid myself. You know, I I, I wanted. Um, instead of taking a publishing deal, I was able to pay myself um, more at the time than what a publisher was willing to pay me. So I thought that was more valuable. So I didn't sure. care that I had to go to work 10 hours every night if it meant that I got to have my own equity stake in, in my um, music and, and my um, business. And so that was more That's important brilliant. To than taking a publishing deal and having that status. It was more important to, to own my sure. own business. Well, and speaking about, you mentioned being driven and drive. I know um, you probably have had to hear no a lot in your career. So you yeah. had multiple publishing deals in your 20s, but mm-hmm. no mainstream country head. And that's a lot of no's. So what mm-hmm. pushed you and what drove you to keep after it? And ask this question to a lot of my writers. I I have always known, I've, I've always felt that um, I, I was given, I think everybody is given something unique to them. And in my heart and my head, I knew there is no way that I was given this drive to do this and this ability to do this for no reason. And I owe it to um, myself and to God and to to just, I, I owe that, I, I need to find out why, you know, and I'm not going to stop until I find out why I was given this this ability. And, and honestly, the fire to accomplish and, and chase after this just never went away, even after all the no's, even after all the rejection. I mean, just the worst of the worst. I never went, you know what, I'm going to give up. I never felt like I could walk away from it. And, and that alone... Um, just kept kept me going. It and sounds like you knew that even though there was a no, the no was just for right now. It was temporary. Yeah, it was a temporary. No. I knew that my yes was coming. I just didn't know when or in what form, but I knew that it was there if I kept looking for it. You know, there's a great quote here. This, you know, you get in line and you stay in line yeah. because eventually you get to the front of the line. Well, any know? any truly successful, whether it's a um, musician or an artist or a business owner, that's something they always talk about is you know, the times that the door was shut in their face and that they just kept going and they used it just to motivate them further. And well, that's a common theme. Yeah, with- and two, I just, everybody who told me no and who didn't believe in me, I had to believe in myself that much more to make up for it. And so I just, I wanted, part of it is is showing that, you know what, I, I do have a value and there is there is something here that um, that is worth paying attention to. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kept kind of prove them wrong a little bit too. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you, bit. you know, you opted to go after it alone and you were waiting tables. And I mean, would you say that making it in Nashville was harder than you expected? Yeah, I, I will say that um, the 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 little girl who signed the, the record deal at 11, if she had known that, you know, she would have to wait um, till she turned 32 to really see 
some things start to to happen to where it changed my life. Um, I I look at that and I'm like, wow, I'm I'm really glad that. I'm really glad that I didn't know how long the road was going yep. to be. Um, but the road is your life. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's the and journey. Exactly. And so um, it, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it, it took it took quite a long time and it's still taking time. You know, I, I certainly don't feel like I've, I've gone, you know, as, as, as far as I'd like to go. Sure. But I've you know, there's there's been um, validations along the way that that helped encourage me in, you know, the 10 year mark. <laughs> I thought you might go and into a little bit of the 15 year mark. I thought you might have gone into a little bit of it's the climb. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. A little bit, right? It just, so, that's how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> so while you know Nashville is dubbed as Music City USA, and I'm certain we have a lot of music industry people listening, um, but I bet we also have listeners that don't know all, um, that don't know all that's involved in making and releasing an album. And so sure. we've mentioned publishing deals earlier. And, uh, you know, quickly for our listeners, can you, uh, I mean, there's, publishers there's songwriters there's artists musicians record label it's hard there's really no middle class in songwriting anymore it's really hard to make money as a songwriter right there isn't um they we basically are the only um profession that can't operate in a free market right now and we can't have a willing buyer willing seller market the way that everyone else does and so we're working hard with our government trying to change that for us so we can at least make a living you know Awesome. And I know you're a big advocate in that area. And that's, that's, that's great. Well, um, you've been listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We're talking with songwriter Jamie Floyd about chasing your dreams in the music industry and her story. And when we come back, we'll visit a little bit more with her as well as we're going to answer some of your questions throughout the week. And then stay tuned for our last segment for a special interview with Jamie. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we've been talking with special guest Jamie Floyd, who is a songwriter here in town and, a, and an advocate for songwriters about her journey and her story, chasing her dreams, putting aside her fears. And right before the break, I threw you kind of a, a loaded question that we had about 10 seconds to talk about. So I want to mention this again. So I know that working with a lot of songwriters, how songwriters are getting paid and ways that they're not getting paid is a very hot button in the industry. Um, There's really no middle class um, in songwriting anymore. It's really hard to make money that way. And there's um, so so tell me a little bit about that. Um, Well, you would know that very well from from your clients. My goodness. Um, You see it on a daily basis. Um, But I I kind of found out firsthand having a song like The Blade, for instance, that gets nominated for a Grammy. You know, people think, oh, that'll change your life. You know, you're at the top of your game. You know, that's the perception. And the reality is I had to wait tables um, regardless of what the seemed like success with that song streams and, you know. Um, so even with a Grammy-nominated song, you're right, writing tables, you think, and most people would think she's made it. She's right. made millions of dollars. You would think dollars. with even the streams yep. at that point, the sure. the amount of income would be something to put a dent dent in your um, financial situation. But um, as a result of that, um, and becoming involved in this documentary called "The Last Songwriter," where we're really focusing on how streaming has um, affected the next generation of songwriters and how it's basically, um, making them go extinct because they can't, it's not about getting rich. They actually just can't make a living off of what would be perceived as, as 
success, you know, enough to, to make a living. And um, we made this documentary. And as a result of that, I um, have been able to go with NSAI, um, the National Songwriters Association International, who is basically our advocate. And, and they, they go to Washington, D.C. Wash, yeah, I know and a lot they, about them. Yeah. And they get in there and they, they fight for us because we are, we're teeny tiny compared. But without the songwriter, I mean, that, I mean, right. I music mean, isn't the same. You got to have right, a songwriter. It does. And that's their slogan that it all, it all begins with a song. And that's very true. That's your content. That's, that's everything everyone else is making money off of by the way and so um we're there so when just there's a going, song that's mm-hmm. that is sure. released mm-hmm. who all gets their percentages like how does all that released work? on so as far as a song like a single typically like there's the blade. yeah so the blade has a few different income streams we had many um we had three co-writers on it which usually means yep. there's three publishers um so the money is divided in all six of those people yep. <laughs> um and then streaming wise whereas an artist on on a streaming service they make about 14 times what the songwriter what the songwriter share is and then that share gets cut up cut six up. ways gets six ways so yeah. if you're wow. getting point we're talking we're talking pennies yeah and you know this it's yeah. like point zero 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 one you know I don't cent. know numbers Jamie uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you because I'm like you, you help me out here but um but if, if that just gives you a very quick perspective that you know an artist somebody like Taylor Swift pulls her music off Pandora because it wasn't enough oh, yeah. money think about that she was making 14 times more than than yeah. quote we were so Absolutely. that just kind of shows you that that it gets the pie as very very small as as it is and yep. then well kudos know. for you for chasing your dreams despite you know all the obstacles financially that um and and, and for being an advocate for songwriters we're going to talk with you more in our last segment and um i want to go ahead and uh, do have a little fun with some trivia jimmy you want to cue us up over there let's do it <laughs> no you're dough. it's time now for the game that tests your money knowledge brought to you by david adams wealth group and now here's the host of know your dough david adams all right, all right. So, Jamie, I see you over there thinking you're gonna have to answer some money questions. This is, it's actually these are we, we, these are these are fun. These are right up your alley. Oh boy! In 2015, what artist had the most expensive average cost for concert tickets? A. Taylor Swift, B. U. Two, or three Rolling Stones? Jamie, I'm gonna let you give that a whirl. I would. I mean, I'm gonna guess Taylor's. No, no, no. I'm gonna guess U. Two. Okay. Siobhan? I'll go with Taylor Swift since that okay. was your first. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. I'm going to say it. the Stones. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, I don't know if I've ever got to say this to you, but you're right. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, Jimmy's right. He's right. So, number one, uh, their average, uh, they uh, number one with 14 cities, 14 shows, $175 average cost of ticket. Ooh. Now, you know why I guess that? Why? Because I know as a, as a band that's been around for many, many years, they don't sell a lot of albums anymore when they come out with a new album. But they sell so, a yeah. lot of concerts. That makes sense. And you too, just to put in perspective, was $118, and Taylor Swift is in, in too far off, $110 average okay. cost of tickets. So. She's, she's doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Close by. I mean, and, and Jamie, touring is really where the artists are making their money yes. now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. especially with um, 360 deals and everything going yeah. on. I mean, merch and, it's merch, mm-hmm. yeah. You have Got to it. focus in on that. All right. Another question. This is not even a multiple choice, and I'd be just shocked if anybody got this. What is the number, and this is kind of a trick question, sort of. What is the number one highest earning song of all time, all genres, everything? Number one of all time. Mm. No ABCD? No. I, I, um, okay, well, let me let me think of one. So, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, even before you, you go, it's the remake of the Elton John Candle in the Wind when Princess Diana died. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Close, but not at all. Oh, uh, really? Just, just anything come to mind. I'm just going to throw this out to you. Um, mm. 
gosh, I don't, I don't. Oh. Well, White Christmas. Well, that's well, that's that's a that's an interesting guess because mm-hmm. that's that's not too far. It's Happy Birthday. Well, I was gonna say, is it public domain? But it's not. Pu- yeah. Yeah. Everything I would guess, like You Are My Sunshine and things yes, like that, yeah. are a lot of them went to public domain. So I okay. couldn't guess. So Happy Birthday. Is yeah. Not- so yeah, Happy Birthday was. Um, well, that makes ownership sense. of the song changed hands a few times throughout the years. In 1990, Warner Chapel um, bought the rights for 15 million. It's reported to bring in uh, two million a year in royalties, Ooh. and the cost for it to put it in a movie or in TV is twenty five thousand. It's actually illegal um, to play this song without getting uh, paying the rights. But I I'm, had read about I'm, I, illegal I so to sing silly. Happy Birthday. <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, yeah, wow. The, the prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't see it in TV. Like when people have a birthday party, yeah. you never hear them sing Happy Birthday. Also, oh, oh also on the list, <laughs> yeah, you were right. Uh, Elton John's "Candle in the Wind." Did you say that? Yes. He is on a roll. That is that was right behind. <laughs> it. And you've lost that loving feeling and White Christmas. Mm-hmm. You, oh, I mean, okay. I was going with hol- something Christmassy. Like, Jamie, I'm going to ask you this. I one. thought about Hill House Rock by Elvis. But, yeah, <laughs> which, which female artist has or had the largest record deal? Madonna A, B, Adele, or C, Whitney Houston? I want to say... It's all pretty close. So. Yeah, I want, I'll, I'll go with Madonna. Okay. Siobhan, who you go with? Madonna makes sense. I'll go with Madonna. Jimmy? I'll say Whitney Houston. It was Adele. Oh! oh. But I mean, we're talking 130 million dollars in 2016. Madonna um, was 120, and Whitney was 100. So these are wow. big, big deals. And then, last quickly, um, similar to the happy birthday question, but this question is: Which song is the most iconic? Now, this is very subjective. A professor from the University of London did tons of research that you know, and to figure this out. Um, A is it "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. B. <laughs> B, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. C, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Or Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Ooh. I'm going to go with Queen. Queen's my favorite band yeah. of all time. I love Queen. Um, Yeah, I'll go with Guns N' Roses. I would have gone, for what it's worth, with Guns N' Roses because that's one of my yeah. favorite. Like but the, it's actually, Jimmy, do you have any I idea? have no clue. It's Nirvana. It smells like Nirvana. Now again, how I mean that's pretty subjective. Yeah. But he did a ton of research, and he was like fifteen different ways he took polls and stuff. So huh. there you have it. Now shifting gears a little bit, and I'm not gonna make you answer these, Jamie. These are okay. the uh, the calling <laughs> questions. Pass. Siobhan, do we have a give us our first question? Do we have any questions from our listeners? This we week? do, we do. Uh, this one is actually from an uh, an 18 year old who has about twenty thousand dollars <laughs> saved or so, mm. and um, he wants to move to Nashville, so this fits in great with what we were talking about earlier and becoming a songwriter, so ties in great. Okay. Uh, but my parents you know, want me to go to college, and college just seems like a waste of money with loans, et cetera, when I could spend that time trying to get a record deal. And we were actually talking, talking about, about this that, in the lobby today. Uh, in the yeah. lobby yeah. earlier yeah. in regards to your own situation, Jamie, so about college well, and high and school Not to put you on that. the spot. I'm just going to lie here. I said I wasn't going to do this. But yeah. seriously, I mean, how would you answer that question? I mean- $20,000 saved, it's a waste of time to go to college, and I don't want to have loans and stuff. What do I do? Well, um, if you're going to college for something other than music, I would say, like, if you want to get a degree in accounting or whatever that is, great. But in music, at least for me, you kind of it helps with music to be out there in the field and yep. getting it done. Yeah, On the job experience. And making say, the yeah. connections and networking. You know, I'm always a fan of having a backup plan while chasing your sure. dreams. I'd say to go to college, even part-time, even just to get some of the uh, Yeah, well, because you can classes. still get on the street and, and be working on a degree, yep. but yeah. You can definitely do both. Uh, do both and... Um, you know, I'd say a lot of the stats say that 95% of songwriters in town don't get a cut 
uh, that pays them above their draw. And that's if they're lucky to be in the few that even have publishing deals. But I would side with the parents on this one. I would look at getting a degree in music so you're aligning the two um, and diversifying a little bit, looking at maybe music business management in case you don't end up um, or you end up wanting to go to that side of the industry. So um, great question. Thanks for reading that, Siobhan. It's time for another break. This is Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Stay tuned. We have a special interview with Jamie Floyd, Grammy-nominated songwriter, in just a couple minutes. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we've been talking about chasing your dreams and pushing aside your fears and all the limitations to chasing your dreams. And we've had been honored to have a special guest, Jamie Floyd, here today, who is a Grammy-nominated songwriter here in Nashville and has shared a lot of wisdom with us. And we want to spend a little bit of time um, with her. And every every week in this last segment, we like to bring um, a, a special guest that ties into that retire while you work mindset. And so um, I don't think there could be anything more relevant than chasing your dreams, whether it's a second career or something like Jamie that you um, were involved in when you were two years old and basically retired when you were 11. Just <laughs> um, now, now, Jamie, okay, so... Um, Tell us a little bit about, um, well, first of all, we were talking about before the break that you actually have the entire soundtrack to the new Burt Reynolds movie. I do. Um, I co-wrote their- That's awesome. I, I co-wrote um, the 12 um, original songs in, in Burt Reynolds' new movie called Dog Years. Wow. Now, how did that opportunity come up? Um, well, uh, again, I was waiting tables full time and a co-writer and friend of mine in many years um, called me and he said, hey- uh, you know, because I have worked in film a lot over the last few years and um, and he hadn't. And he's been a great co-writer of mine anyway. And he said, hey, will you try and help me write a song for this? You know, you know how to work with the script. You know how to do all of this. Will you come in and write this with me and just we'll try to get a song in this Burt Reynolds movie? I have an opportunity. So I went and we wrote one song and they just we wrote 18 more. Because nobody 18. ever said no. So we kept turning more and more songs in. And so my co-writer, John, would drive down to Knoxville and here in Nashville when, yeah. while they were filming it to play the director of the songs as we're recording them in this garage and into one microphone, like real old school. And um, I was waiting tables. You know, I'd be in the studio, go work for 10 hours, come back. And we turned in 18 songs and they used uh, 10, 12 of them in the that's, movie. That's incredible. Where you get to hear <clears> them. And uh, we just, I mean, it was a passion project. It's uh, Burt Reynolds, Chevy Chase, um, Ariel winter and modern family and they're trying to send Bert off into the sunset he's never won an oscar in his career oh wow he well, was never i did not know that yeah actor at the box office for five years in a row nobody else has done that and he never got his oscar so this is his performance piece this is the passion project everybody came together around him including us you gotcha. know we got very invested and he and i are from the same hometown believe it or not and we went to the same high school me and Bert reynolds oh, this was meant oh, to be i know well, absolutely. it's totally big, meant it's to be, be <laughs> awesome film i'm sure and for him and his career and then also for you and a, a big deal so congratulations on that and Thank Jamie, you. if you weren't listening to the first segment, Jamie was also uh, featured in the documentary The Last Songwriter, uh, which is about um, how songwriters are paid and being an advocate for the songwriting business. And um, she was alongside Garth Brooks, Emmy Lou Harris, Jason Isbell, uh, Jim Lauderdale, and uh, won an award at the Nashville Film Festival. So, Jamie, tell us a little bit about your journey. I know that's an open-ended question. Just give us a little bit there. Yeah, so I, I started singing with my parents who are musicians when I was two years old. Um, I 
as I grew up, um, I was surrounded by music, surrounded about, surrounded with how hard the music business is too. I kind of witnessed my parents, they always provided for us. It was always a stable environment, but you really saw the struggle and you saw it was very hand to mouth. And I, um, as, as I got older, um, I fell in love, you know, with music. I couldn't help it. It was in my blood. And we recorded some little uh, kind of dinky karaoke tracks, some Lee and Rhyme songs. And um, I had an uncle who was on tour with Michael Jackson uh, back in the 80s. And through some of his connections, we somehow got this little demo tape to the vice president of Epic Records in New York. And I ended up being signed to a wow. development deal. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy, crazy. <laughs> and um, I was a kid, but I, you know, they would always say, Jamie's 11 going on 30 because I'd get in the meetings with them and be like, all right, so tell me about the Warner merger. And I was just really a little nerd. <laughs> um, but I really knew my stuff. I studied country music history. I studied the songwriters. I, I absolutely yeah. loved it and I wanted to be a part of its future. And so um, I was with them uh, from when I was 11 to 17. And um, and basically in the middle of that, they had offered me a pop record deal that I turned down um, because it- you turned down a record deal. I did. I did. September 11th had happened and of course yeah. changed everything and, right. and all yeah. of our worlds. And that happened right when they were about to launch my career. Um, and they said, well, hey, it's real hard in Nashville. We're going to offer you a pop record deal though. You're just going to sing the songs, you know, kind of, you're going to have to- dress the way you don't want to dress you're going to have to sing the songs you don't want to sing but we'll give you a big old record deal and a bunch of money and i told them no and they were like wow wow nobody does that <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's so, yeah and that's that's interesting that's a it, testament it sounds, to your character but it put me on on a path that that ultimately led led to a better place you it, know it sounds like you know rougher being at a uh, at a young age you've had to do a lot of negotiating so do you do you consider yourself to be a good negotiator and how have you developed that skill <laughs> I, you know what after all these years um my lawyer um his name is peter matter and he's been with me since I was 11. So we've been together for <laughs> 20, you know, 20 years. Um, and he learning from him and, and watching him for all these years, um, has been really beneficial to me. And I've just really myself tried to constantly educate myself and, and constantly be in the know with what's normal, um, contractually and, and how the business is evolving so that I can come to Peter when we do these negotiations and go, hey, have you thought about this? And lately in the last few years, he's going, no, I haven't, but let's try that. And gotcha. so that has come from just me, you know, really caring about my my deals being right and fair. And I have walked away from publishing deals in the last few years that could have taken me out of the restaurant, but I, you know, I it wasn't good enough, you know, and I, and I knew that after the negotiating and kind of going back and forth with everybody, but I've had a lot of incredible help and I feel like nobody's going to fight for you like you do, you Absolutely. know, so no, you have to put your right. trust in people like that, but, but if you can get in the game, yep. I try to. So a good, a good team, but you've, uh, but just you, I mean, it sounds you like try to have your own head on your yeah. shoulders. You should, it's your career, you know? And so we've touched on, um, financial components of the music industry a little bit earlier, but you've actually, you know, you've become and have been an advocate for songwriters and even spoken to Congress about songwriters' rights. So tell us how you became involved in that. And I know that's a lot of what The uh, Last Songwriter was yeah, about. Yeah, as as The Last Songwriter, the documentary, they followed me at the restaurant as I was um, had this Grammy nomination and working at the same time because that was that pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head as to what's happening to the new generation of songwriters. We are having, um, you can have um, some kind of success that the public would perceive as being, as having made it and you you can't make a living um and it's it's discouraging people who who should be pursuing this and should be the new generation and just discouraging them and and sending uh, it's just diluting um our industry and it's it's killing it off um 
so as anyway, as I'm as I'm doing this documentary, um, I get involved with NSAI because the, they, of course, have a big stake in this as well. And, and it, this documentary is giving them the voice that they haven't had yet as far as educating the public as to what's going on. Right. Because um, it affects everybody. Music is it's the soundtrack to your life. You know, if you don't have people writing the songs, what are you going to listen to? Yep. You know, yep. you know, it, it's it's. Um, it's a very it's a very important thing to our culture. And so um, they asked me to use my story if I was willing to share the fact that, you know, on social media and everything, they want you to look like everything's perfect. Of and course. There's right. nothing. It's your highlight you know, reel. Oh, yes. gosh. Yeah. And here I had to go. No, I have to go work in a restaurant and I'm, you know, cleaning up Cheerios off the floor and everything. Yeah. And I'm still going to the studio afterward. You know, it just was they it was humbling, you know, but but it was the truth. And if all I have is the truth to, to change this, then I'm going to use it. You know, it's not the prettiest story, but if I can get in to these congressmen's offices and go, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening to your people on the ground. I have a Grammy nomination and I'm, you know, polishing silverware till two in the morning. You know, not that that is not, I mean, people are incredible in the restaurant business. That is a, you know, an honest job. You do what you got to do, but that wasn't my dream. And to to get as far as I had gotten on my own and still had nothing to show for it, essentially, because of the archaic laws that have been in place and that, you know, that are being discussed now and, and that we're fighting. Um, it's just very frustrating. And um, anyway, to get to go to Congress and, and share the reality, they all snap up in their chairs and they're right. like, what? Well, Nobody I mean, can just believe it. Kudos to you for being you know? authentic and have, and bringing that um, genuineness because, you know, every, polishing off the glamour and just saying, no, yeah. this is, this going, is this how is it the really reality is. This is it. how it is. And yeah. I'm not, and I'm not embarrassed I'm by willing, it or shamed by it. And yeah, this and is, yeah. yeah, I'm willing to share that, um, especially if, even if it doesn't affect me, it's going to affect the kids now that turn out, you know, that want to grow up to be songwriters who are two, year, two and three years old right now. And if we can even get those laws to come into sure. play, you know, in the next 10 or 20 years, we will have succeeded. Awesome. You know? Well, you've been smart about saying yes to opportunities that maybe don't necessarily have the financial benefit up front that a lot of people think, like the documentary, The Last Songwriter. But outside of just money, what are some of the other things you take into consideration when you make these business decisions you've made since you were 11? So a great example is Dog Years, the movie I did with Burt Reynolds. Like I said, that was a passion project. And what? And congratulations know, on winning yes. the award for the best original song at the oh, National Film Festival. thank you. We did the song that closes out Dog Years and the final scene of Burt's career as a movie star is our song called Yet to Come. And we won best oh, original song at the National Film Festival. It was amazing. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is, for instance, that was a passion project. There wasn't, um, you know, as far as a big payout of a regular movie, that wasn't the case. But I saw that this is this is something that I can use in my portfolio and my resume and right. eventually that turned into the record deal and the publishing deal that just got me out of the restaurant a couple months ago so I wasn't getting paid on the front end and there was no guarantee there was no guarantee the movie was even going to come out you know all these variables but I, I said you know what I just had a gut feeling and I was say your gut your and gut the people you involved that. too you know um, were very reputable people and I went you know what I'm going to put my money on this and it and it ended up going to what I what I eventually wanted to get to anyway just Amazing. Yeah, it was just, it, thank you. It was, it was pretty, an, an incredible process, but, um, but it was worth having the faith in that because it led to what I was ultimately after, even though it didn't look like that on the front end. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Well, so. that's, that's incredible. You've definitely had a journey there. Any last thoughts or advice that you'd leave us with? Um, I would just say, do not, especially in the creative world, do not take no for an answer. Um, I, you will have people believe in you, um, lose belief in you back and forth, and you have to have the belief in yourself um, more than anybody. You just, you just have to, you just can't take no for an answer. And I didn't. And eventually, like I said earlier, your, your yes is there for you if you're willing to sacrifice and stick with it, you know, if you're willing to see yourself through. So 
that's that's my advice. <laughs> my that's quick awesome. Advice. Your your drive and just your determination and resilience is very impressive. And I know Thanks. we've enjoyed having you here today. I hope we can have you back sometime. I would love I it. You all have been wonderful. Yes. Thank I you. Want to follow up with you more of, throughout yes. this journey and with the, the movie coming out and everything. And uh, stay in touch, definitely. Love it. Um, now, how can our listeners? Um, Get in touch. Get in touch or hear your stuff. Yeah. Um, music my music, and... I have an EP on um, everywhere music is sold called Sunshine and Rainbows. You can look that up. Okay. And I'm on Facebook, Jamie Floyd Music. Jamie Floyd on Instagram. I'd love to hear from everybody. Jamie, awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. You're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. If you need to reach us during the week, please give us a call at the office 615 435 3644. Or come by and see our team. Come by our office. We're in the historic 12th South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. Stop in and say hello. Or you can visit, retire while you work, and submit your question, and we'll try to answer it in next week's show. I'm David Adams. Remember, life is short, and there are many more important things to worry about than money, and we hope that this show helps. Have a great week. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.